had to make sure we got the mic on quickly because I wanted to talk about how much I love your top that you're wearing. Oh, thank you. Butterflies. Yeah, it's like it's got these sheer like sleeves with butterflies on them. You just always have the cutest shirts. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I feel like for the podcast, I haven't dressed up in a while, but this is what I'm wearing tonight to the the kids show. That's right. My daughter, uh, listeners, is performing in High School Musical in the on in middle school in middle school. So it's middle schoolers doing High School Musical. So you know, I so meta. I mean, I will they understand the deep and complex themes of high school students? I don't probably. I don't know how deep are high school students really. Um, but I was I was a deep one from the I age mean, of like five. I just remember in that time period of my life that everything was threat level midnight. Like it was like everything was so important. Mm-hmm. Just like oh, yes. life or death. Exactly. Yes. Uh, I could. I couldn't imagine living with that. Those sort of stakes for my entire life it would be exhausting. The stakes were impossibly high. It was like <laughs> you either do this or you're going to die alone. The highest highs job. And the lowest You're lows. never going to go to college. Well, there's that with the adults putting all the pressure. I hope kids aren't getting that kind of pressure anymore because uh, that's all BS, really. Not. Yeah. Um, but I just mean like the relationships. It's like I will never love again mm-hmm. if I can't be with this person. Or my best friend is mad at me. I will. I am. I will never recover from this the the fact that they didn't sit next to me on the bus on this field trip you know what I mean it's just like I mean I still have those thoughts uh, sometimes I still have uh, those thoughts like I will never love again and I'll I'll nah 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 never recover if I lose certain people in my life but yeah I know that's probably not true it's just something I I like to think well I mean I think we're all a little afraid of losing people for sure but it's just like it seems like it's like I'm gonna die if I don't Everything was just like the emotions were just like, just Mm -hmm. like a a tidal wave every day. I don't know. Uh, So far, other than a lot of sass, my daughter seems to be keeping it together pretty good. She's only 11, so we haven't hit the high school years yet. But I was really worried about sixth grade because sixth grade was fucking miserable for me. Like, that was one of the worst times of my life. Like, that transition into middle school was painful i was not cool i know that's surprising to everyone because i put up such this cool exterior where i'm very normal uh and fit in but surprisingly uh that's sarcasm i hope everybody is picking up on that uh but uh i i really struggled in sixth grade it was like i would like lay in my bed wishing and hoping for some kind of illness that would keep me from going to school every day. It was just, it was, oh, it was painful. Uh, but she seems to be okay. She's taking it all in stride. So I guess hopefully that curse uh, will not befall her. Yeah, hopefully. I hope she'll, she'll do well. I mean, for everyone, the grades are different. Like for me, mm-hmm. sixth grade was great. Um, yeah. Seventh grade was a little mm-hmm. sucky. And then eighth grade yeah. was like when like, the depression and the like oh, the bo- yeah. the the body issues kind of came out. I mean, I looked great, but I thought yeah. I I looked sure. ter- 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 terrible. So for me it was 8th grade. Sure. I remember that was probably around the time. I think I always probably from the time I was like 
a tween was sort of conscious of my body and its shape and what shape other people thought my body should be. Um, I think that started really young for me, way before eighth oh, grade. Wow. But I think I really started to take it to heart around probably that time. Yeah. Welcome to the Adam and Andy podcast. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Nicole. I'm your other host, Sarah. Uh, this is not a podcast where we talk about the uh, the the stormy nature of our adolescence. But I don't know, be. maybe this, it could be, maybe this movie that we watched has, has us reflecting on the little moments in life, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, listeners, today we're going to talk about Patterson. Uh, finally, I feel like everybody has been asking, when are we going to talk about Patterson? And I've been saying, it's not up to me. It's the wheel. The wheel uh, has control over our lives and when we get to do Patterson. And it finally, I think we were being rewarded for our like enduring silence. Like we did silence. It was hard. We made it through. And then the wheel was like, you know what? Let me give these ladies a win. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're going to be talking about Patterson today, but before we do, would you like to get into some Adam and Andy news? Sure. Uh, Who would you like to talk about first, Adam or Andy? Andy. Andy. Okay. So let me, I actually have some visual visual aids. Uh, first, I'll say I don't really have a lot of new stuff for Andy. Uh, uh, I have a few little snippets, but not a whole lot. Uh, one big thing that happened is that Andy was in a Corona commercial, a Corona, not coronavirus, but Corona the beer. Remember when Corona used to just mean beer? Uh, have I ever told you about that time? Uh, just a sidebar for a second. Uh, and listeners were looking at a picture of Andy and Snoop Dogg on the beach uh, with their coronas. Um, did I ever tell you about the time we were in Florida with my kids and we were like at this, it was like, we were like at a restaurant. We were going to eat outside, obviously, because this was kind of during the, I mean, not that the pandemic is over, but this was still kind of a, a, a tricky time to be going to a restaurant. And so there was a, a pinata nearby in the at the restaurant for Corona the beer. Mm-hmm. And my kids were like, why, why, why did they make a pinata for the coronavirus? That seems <laughs> messed up. <laughs> Which kid? Uh, I feel like it was Charlotte. Yeah. And then Lucas kind of came over and was like, oh God, like they were just like really <laughs> flummoxed. And I was like, it, guys, it's a beer. It, and then I began to think about how Corona, the beer probably mm-hmm. is yeah. going through it right Suffering. now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so here totally. we have a, a little, p- uh, perhaps a, a little damage control. Uh, they've got two beloved figures in this commercial, Snoop Dogg and Andy Samberg uh, on a beach enjoying some Coronas. So t- does cor- 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 the Corona company ever address in their ads, like, we're not the nope. virus, ha ha, <laughs> no. I, think I mean, it's that'd be bad. Not, yeah, yeah, that's not good. Too yeah. soon, maybe. Too soon. Also, we're, yeah, we're still kind of in the midst of it. Uh, but it, Andy looking very much like perhaps he raided the wardrobe from Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess that's kind of what you wear. Uh, he's, he's, I, I, looking at, looking at this kind of reminds me just how much I love Andy in a tropical print, you know? Yeah, there's there was something about his Niles though that was like extra special. I feel like he looks maybe like he's lost weight or something. Oh, now yeah. maybe like in this picture. 
perhaps. Um, but yeah, so it was a cute commercial. It's available all over the place. We retweeted it. Uh, I contemplated us watching it, but it seemed like doing like a re- live reaction to a Corona commercial seemed a little strange. So I decided to do that. Um, uh, and then let's see, there's a whole lot else going on. Uh, I did read an article recently that where Andy, you remember that bit he used to do on SNL where he was Nick Cage on Weekend Update? Yes. Uh, there was one episode where Nick Cage actually came on and they both Nick Caged together. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And I there was an article that came out, I guess, recently where Andy said that when Nick Cage showed up, he had not read the script for that bit. He just kind of like showed up and rolled with it. And Andy was just you, like, you wow. mean that Nick Cage had not read the script? Yes. Like he showed up. They had written something for him. He didn't read it. They just kind of rolled with it. And Andy was like, wow, that guy is like one of the most interesting people I've ever met in my life. Interesting as in like, no, he what meant, does he mean by, he meant he, actually interesting. Yeah, not he like, means like that guy's a great actor and he's really a fascinating person. Like he means mm-hmm. it without, I don't think, and Andy strikes me as the kind of guy who like is not, never going to put someone down in that way where they're like you know i feel like andy seems like at least in the interviews i've seen that he only really has nice it's he's more mm-hmm. like a if you don't have something nice to say don't say it all kind of mm-hmm. say it at all kind of guy but yeah i think he like enjoyed working with him but it was just funny to me that nick cage just rolled up and was like didn't read the script don't care i'm here for you what do you need me to do you just do whatever you do and i'll i'll <laughs> I mean, maybe he like looked at his lines when he got there. I don't know. It seemed like the bit was rehearsed, but it wouldn't, didn't seem improvised. But he didn't show up like with an extremely in-depth knowledge of that sketch, I would say. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of all I've got for Andy. Uh, we don't know what's going on with Andy. He's probably got some projects in development, but nothing currently on the... Oh, actually, there was one thing. A plaque uh, has been uh, placed. I don't have the picture on me right now, but uh, a plaque was put up at the studio where they shot Brooklyn Nine-Nine commemorating uh, that show. So Aww. it'll be... Uh, yeah, it's, it was really sweet. They They put up a plaque so that everybody will always remember that Brooklyn Nine-Nine was shot at that studio. Cool. Uh, okay, so moving on to Adam. So I've already, I've got a picture, so I'll go ahead and pull that up. So here's, this is Adam posing with various fans uh, at uh, a Arts in the Armed Forces event at Pennsylvania. Why are some of their faces ca- 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 hovered up? Uh, well, that's because I think some people online who are Adam stands choose to have an anonymous identity. So when they post pictures of themselves, they usually put some kind of emoji or something over their face and to who maintain made their anonymity. Uh, a fan, uh, a fan made it. Uh, I, I, I can't remember. I don't, I saw it going around. I'm not exactly who made it. I saw, I don't know exactly who made it. Uh, I was I just can- verifying that it wasn't at, uh, uh. Adam, that doesn't seem like something. You Gosh, do. no, no. Uh, yeah. uh, a uh, someone on Twitter compiled. These are all pictures that were going around after the event of fans just posting, "Hey, I got a picture with Adam Driver," and they and somebody made this collage of him with a bunch of fans. It's funny um, how, like, in some of them he looks like happy and casual, and some of them he looks concerned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so. Uh, I, what I like about this, well, first of all, the event was a Arts and the Armed Forces reading, a stage reading of Lobby Hero. So it was uh, Lobby mm. Hero. Uh, do you, You're wrinkling your nose. Do you not like that play? 
Uh, I ha- think I had to do it's Kenneth Law Loner Loner Lonerhan. Yeah, I did my 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 monologue to audition into colleges was from mm-hmm. that play. And oh, I did, okay. I didn't like the monologue, but the person who coached me was like, "Do this." <laughs> so I was Got like, it. Okay. Who did you? Who, whose monologue was it? Uh, What's the character's name? A female character. Okay. Uh, so both Adam and Joanne were in the reading. Uh, uh, reports uh, from fans say that it was really great to watch them act together, and they have really good chemistry. And uh, it and it seemed like a really it was a it was it was for only a service member, so you couldn't get in unless you were a service member or a veteran or someone who was married to someone who was a service member. So it was not open to just so the, any fans that got in are either service members or married to someone who's a uh, service member or veteran. Um, So what I like about this little collage is that he just looks like in a lot of these photos, just kind of relaxed and happy. Like you can tell he's having a good time. I just like mentally am comparing this to the photos we were looking at like last week where he was at the Burberry event. You could tell like he was like, had to be there. Like it was like, I have to be at this fashion show, but I don't really want to be here. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he looked very grumpy. And like, you can tell that he like, enjoyed himself and this is something mm-hmm. that matters to him and i just think that's cool um that he's able to do stuff like that for that he feels good about doing that uh he obviously seems to uh have enjoyed himself also it's nice that he's like just like walking around taking pictures with people like i don't think all famous people do that right um a lot of them do you think a lot of them feel like they have to well, he does. He doesn't strike me as like he's being held against his will to do this. No. At least in these photos, um, maybe at the Burberry show. <laughs> uh, all right. So other things. I actually have a lot of big news. So there's the that thing. Uh, there is. Um, let's see. Uh, White noise has not been announced, but is expected to be at the Venice Film Festival. So it's expected that uh, we will get white noise at the venice film festival hopefully adam will be there uh no bombeck and 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 etc uh greta gerwig and all those folks so uh that is what is expected to happen so that's cool uh so that's something to look forward to if it indeed happens uh and uh also little thing came out okay so first of all i think someone tweeted a picture uh or tweeted an article about this is where i leave you i think and the director sean levy replied to it and said uh oh somebody said oh it was somebody who tweeted at sean levy the director and said can you release the deleted scenes driver adam driver nation wants to see them and he replied and he was like i didn't know adam driver nation existed can i be a member and then he basically said there was this deleted sex scene between adam driver and connie Britton. Uh, and I, this is not new news to everyone, but it was news to me uh, because some folks were like, oh, yeah, we already knew about this. And they tweeted an article uh, that where Connie Britton had given an interview saying uh, talking about the scene. Apparently was like on an office desk. And now I'm just so highly curious. Uh, but Connie Britton said that. Uh, she well first of all she called Adam the king of sex scenes because of all those scenes he did in girls and that he working with him was really easy he wanted to make sure that she was comfortable and she was like I'm totally fine but apparently Sean Levy the director was very uncomfortable because it was his first sex scene that he had directed and he seemed very flustered 
So it's the director's first sex scene, but it's Adam's like 50th or something. Exactly. And it sounds like, Con- I think Connie Britton had also done other sex scenes as well. And so she was not, uh, it was not a bit of a big deal for her. Um, that's, that's funny. She, yeah, she, what did she say? I'm trying to look. Um, yeah, I was trying to look for the actual quote about what, I think she said something like, uh, oh, she called him a sex scene version, a virgin, uh, Sean Levy. And basically, <laughs> basically, like Adam was like, oh, I want to just make sure you're okay. And Connie's like, I'm okay. So somebody should check on the director. He seems like he's <laughs> not having a good time. Oh um, my gosh. That's so, so, so there's that. Uh, and then uh, the big news here's the big, big news. Are you ready? Okay. So Adam has left his age, he's dropped his agent. I don't know if dropped is the right word, left, parted ways with his agent. At Gersh, which is a huge agency. So I'm going to come out of screen share at this point because I don't have a picture of this. Adam left his agency, parted ways with his agency, whatever you want to call it, and uh, and is now only working through with his, through his lawyer. So he has a lawyer uh, who and this is lawyer is a huge entertainment lawyer. Uh, so it's not like I mean, his lawyer is um, also represents. Let me see. I can pull up the names of some of the i'll give you a chance to respond to this in a second so this lawyer also represents tom holland robert patterson uh brie larson benedict cumberbatch uh gal gadot uh and ewan mcgregor so this is a huge entertainment lawyer so uh i have thoughts but i'd love to hear what your thoughts are so adam is agentless um is that allowed as my first thought uh, yeah bill murray yeah. does not have an agent bill okay. murray has a phone number that you can call and leave him a message if you want him to if you want to work with him oh my gosh and occasionally he calls people back even randos uh but apparently like if you want to work with bill murray you got to call a phone number you don't e- e- email him no, he does not apparently have email. He has a phone number that you can leave a voice message at. <laughs> no. Uh, I guess he's old, so, yeah. Yeah. He's like, well, here's the thing. Well, first of all, it's kind of shocking, for sure. But also, what is an agent's purpose but to get the actor work, right? That's kind of getting so, the actor. No, he already has, like, everyone knows who he is. Everyone knows mm-hmm. how good he is. Like, he doesn't mm-hmm. really need an agent to get work for him he can get work for himself is that kind of the the idea i mean i don't want to sound like a neophyte here and maybe if someone else my understanding based on my limited knowledge of this business of course you and i are both filmmakers uh and so we have some under uh, knowledge of this but we have friends who are we have lots of friends who are actors that have agents so i am not in the upper echelons of hollywood by any stretch uh but i am in the you know whatever uh, lower bowels of the entertainment industry that I work in. Uh, and my my understanding is that an agent gets you in front of people, they get you work, uh, they do negotiate on your behalf for certain things uh, regarding, you know, pay and safety and rights and all kinds of other things. Uh, so an agent does do a lot for an actor, but it, it seems like if Adam doesn't need, if, if people are calling him, and he doesn't need someone to get him in front of people. Like Adam has worked with some of the hugest, the biggest directors of this generation. Um, and they're looking out, they're looking to work with him, right? So they're going after him. So if he's not, doesn't need someone to find the work, then what he really needs is someone to negotiate 
fair his rates and his uh, schedule and all that stuff. And I don't know about scheduling, but a, a lawyer can negotiate the contracts. So mm-hmm. if he has a lawyer to negotiate his contracts and the legal stuff, then I guess doesn't at this point in his career he doesn't need an agent. Yeah, makes I sense don't know. to me. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like he's so big time that he doesn't really really need that 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 anymore i guess yeah. so i guess we'll see if he stays agentless or if he is ends up in another uh, getting representation somewhere else it seems like right now the word on the street is that he has decided that he's just gonna have a lawyer on his team and that's it i mean an agent does take a percentage of the pay as well so maybe he Do doesn't think feel that like he, needs he to doesn't do want to go to his many press events or something like does the agent is the agent involved in that at all or is that more of a uh that is again contractual obligation so i don't think that will go away uh i think that like with burberry he signed a contract to be their a brand ambassador essentially where he's in commercials and he's doing events like he has to show up at certain things if he's promoting a movie he is contractually obligated to show up to certain press events to promote the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, and again, this is, those are contract contractual things that a lawyer could negotiate for him. He doesn't, I guess he doesn't really need an agent for that. He's not, he doesn't need visibility mm-hmm. in this business. He, he has perhaps more visibility than he wants. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was kind of the big news uh, uh, in the last two weeks since we last recorded. That's the Adam and Andy news. Thanks. All right. So shall we get to today's main event? Yes. Uh, Patterson, 2016, directed by Jim Jarmusch. Um, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, I guess, first of all, I've seen this movie more than once. So I saw this movie before we started this this podcast and when we dis- this was i watched this during my sort of pandemic adam driver haze where i was trying i was like watching kind of his filmography which kind of led to the place where we are now where we're doing the show uh so but and when we decided to do the show this film was one of the ones that was kind of at the forefront of my mind in thinking about movies that i wanted to watch with you and talk about so uh let's just start there like did you enjoy this movie i thought the first half was um a little slow and i didn't really know Mm -hmm. where it was going and the Mm -hmm. last half was kind of sad and obsessed heading for me so i didn't Mm -hmm. i didn't actually enjoy this movie um Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess I was hoping for a feel good movie because mm-hmm. you said it was like it made you feel good. So I was so mm-hmm. I don't know. It. I, I hate that I gave you too many expectations. I do feel very good watching this movie, uh, even the ending. And I'd love to talk about the ending uh, and and what are different because my response to the ending is very different than yours, I think. Well, I knew the ending was pop, 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 positive, but. Mm-hmm. Oh, the overall feel of the film to me, it's summarized in one word would be depression. Okay. I don't agree. Uh, and I'm look, I loved, I'd love to dig into this with you. Um, 
So why don't we just start? Where sh- where do you, do you have a place you want to start with this? Um, I mean, in- we could start at the beginning. Sure. Beginning. So, so he has. Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, just he has a a, a routine, mm-hmm. and we see like so. I think if this movie takes place in one week. Yes, like one it week is out the of course his life. of the week, uh, Monday through Sunday, yes. Mm-hmm. And then I think we begin on Monday again mm-hmm. at the end. Yep. So he, Patterson is this guy who's named after, I don't know if he's named after the town, but he well, has the, the same name Patterson. as the town. Yeah. yeah. Patterson, um, which is uh, where will, the poet William Carlos Williams is from. And he refers to that poet a bunch in the mm-hmm. film as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so he basically, he's a, a bus dra- 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 driver and mm-hmm. he's an aspiring poet or maybe not aspiring. He he writes poems. He doesn't have any intent to share them, but he writes mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. we can discuss, I guess, what makes a person a poet. I think that's part of the, or an artist, what makes a person an artist. I think that's one of the central themes of this. Um I, I think uh, for so here's the thing. This is not a plot heavy movie uh, at all. Uh, this is a when we were watching this together last night with your partner and and everybody was kind of like, well, what's the st- the plot? I'm like, if you guys are here for a plot, it's, that's not what this movie is. Uh, and it, that's really hard for us, I think, because we're mm-hmm. we've been kind of conditioned for movies to have a lot of plot or have a lot of things that happen or have a lot of conflict even. And that's not really what this movie is about. Um, this movie is about observing one person, one person's life and the people in his life that are connected to him. Uh, I think that's kind of what is going on, but then there's a lot of other stuff going on under the surface. And I feel like watching it the second time allowed me to appreciate the, uh, what I would call the secret pie of this movie, uh, which by the way, that is one of my favorite scenes when she is feeding him the pie and it's disgusting and he's trying so hard to eat it for her i just like i love that so much um but uh, there's a lot of ingredients in this movie that are kind of under the surface that i think are really on a second watch a lot uh more were easier for me to kind of uh, wrap my head around uh when in the beginning you're like okay what's this movie who are these people what's going on i feel like my brain was like searching for a plot because i'm not used to just sitting back and enjoying something um so I'll say that. Uh, but yeah, so he's a bus driver. Um, he has this wife, uh, Laura, who uh, is also very artistic. Uh, but again, all of her art seems to be localized to her apartment uh, for mm-hmm. the most part. She's making and It's all black, black and white, usually mm-hmm. circular in nature or squiggly She's or curly. She's got stripes. Or- I mean, there's all kinds of... It's lines, you know, um, lot, black and white lines, squiggles, uh stuff like that uh she's been her i think one of the things i really enjoy about this movie is watching her art sort of take over the apartment like uh or house uh where it starts kind of small and you see her painting more and more and you know painting the curtains and it's like all of her work is kind of overtaking the house yeah it stresses Um, me out to have that much stuff being added to a place in one week like i'm just mm -hmm. like how is it like to live there long term sure (laughs) uh and i think there's a bit of almost I want to say magical realism in this movie where we have to suspend it feels very grounded because the performances are grounded but there's a lot of other stuff happening here like the the way that her art begins to overtake the house uh that is not 
a normal grounded reality because that it probably wouldn't happen that way. There's the twins, the repetition of the twins. We see all these twins coming and going. I guess if I could, God, it's really hard to talk about this movie because there's so much happening. Uh, you know what? I'm going to stop trying to talk about the movie and maybe talk about the things I liked about the movie. I think that's a better place to start for me. And maybe you can talk about some of the things that didn't work for you or scenes that you remember. I don't know. Let's go back and forth. How about that? Okay. I feel like there's like, it's just too much for me to tackle this based on what's going on. Cause it's like every, it's like he gets up, he goes to work, he writes a poem. He, you know, kisses his wife in the morning. He go, he comes back, he fixes the mailbox and then the day starts again. And that happens mm -hmm. over and over again. But it's, that's not what this movie is about. It's about the interactions between the people. I think that that is what this movie is about. So I'm just going to say the first time I watched this movie, I felt unsettled because I kept waiting for something bad to happen. And something bad did happen. It does, but not, but it's not unfixable. And it's not the usual drama of like him and his wife have a fight or the dog gets dog jacked, which by the way, I love the dog jacked scene where the guys show up in the car and he's walking Marvin and they're like, Oh, that dog is going to get dog jacked. And they kind of plant that idea in your head because he keeps tying the dog up outside of the bar every night. Um, and so I'm like waiting for something bad to happen. And yes, something bad does happen, but it's like this movie is about, it's not about big swings it's not about big huge moments of conflict it's about the little everyday life things mm -hmm. and the little interactions we have with people uh i think my my husband only watched half of this movie with me because he was doing something and then he came and watched the second half but he immediately kind of latched onto it and he was like wow this movie is really good at expressing intimacy and personal react uh interactions and i was like yes fucking yes uh, all these little interpersonal re relationships he has with people. So it's like I was able to enjoy it more the second time I watched it because I started to realize that not every movie has to be about a bunch of things that are con con like conflict based. Sometimes it's OK for a nice guy who has a nice wife to just have a nice, simple life. <laughs> and I understand for you that perhaps that scene at the end That's was very traumatic, but I think yeah. this is a movie. I'm telling you what I think. This movie is about a, a person having a who has who's a nice person. And even when something bad happens in this movie, it's not even it's not even that bad. Like a guy comes to a bar and threat and pretends to th and threatens his girlfriend with a gun, but it's a pellet gun at no like with a, with foam bullets. Oh, in no, it. I'm no not point, talking about that. I'm I know you're not talking okay. about that. I know what you're talking about. But what I'm saying is every time conflict arises in a movie where the dog would get dog jacked or a guy would come to a bar with a gun and Patterson would tackle him and it would be a real gun. None of these things are real. All of it is. It, because it, that's not what this movie is about. Um, I think this movie is about, again, something I love. I think this movie is about art and the artist and, and how art is everywhere. And that we always think of artists as, as having to have this crazy, dramatic, uh, extraordinary life. But that art can come from any person. And that any person who makes art is an artist. 
And for Patterson, his life is enriched by these poems that he make, which is makes, which is why I think what happens to the poems is so devastating. But his life is enriched by that. And his wife is an artist and her personality is so big that her art overtakes their life. And she's not doing anything with her art either. Yes, she's made cupcakes and she goes to the farmer's market, but she just lives it every day. And he's living it through his poems every day. And then he's running into all these other people who have like he's the guy who's doing the the spoken word at the laundromat. And it's like art is in every little thing. It's in watching a waterfall. It's in running to a running into a little girl outside of a building who's sitting by herself. And again, to bring it back to William Carlos Williams, that's what William Carlos Williams poems are about. The poem about the plums and the icebox. I remember reading that in college and being like, what the fuck is this? It's not about anything. But now looking at it as a woman in my 40s, I see that it's about celebrating the simple things in life that we connect to on a very personal level that means something to us, even if on the surface it seems kind of boring. And so to me, this isn't a film about depression. If It's about a film about how even a, a, a life that can on the surface seem kind of monotonous is magical and beautiful and full of little moments that are unexpected, like the twins or the conversations people have on a bus or that moment of intimacy with your wife where you're giving her, you're kissing her neck before you wake up in the morning. This is, a, to me, this is a celebration of how beautiful just like everyday life is. And that's what I see in this movie. And that's why for me, it makes me feel so good to watch it. Anyway, that's all I wanted to say. And then I want you to talk for a while because I feel like I've said a lot of things. <laughs> okay. So um, I what stuck out to me the most in this movie was the relationship. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like it was a good relationship. Wow. I am fucking floored by that because they are so in love with each other. So in love and so supportive. I think that she is in love with him. I think that he says he's in love with her in the poems, but he doesn't ever tell her. Like when they're to me, like it really stood out that he was being so passionate in the poems, and then he mm-hmm. never said those things to her. He never shared the poems with her. He, he does share his subdued. poems with her, not the ones that he read in the movie, but she's read his poems. She said that she's read right. his poems. I'm just saying, like. I didn't hear out loud him saying those things that he wrote about okay. her in his poems. What about okay, I I have a I actually have evidence to refute that. Uh because she says I'm writing a poem because I wrote this down because I love this line so much. I'm writing a poem and she says is it a love poem and he said if it's a if it's a, about you it's a love poem. Yeah, but that's not that's just that's saying Why does it's a love why poem. does he have to say it? He literally snuggles her every morning. He when she says she's cold, he puts a blanket on her. He eats her shitty pie. He gives her they clearly don't have a lot of money. He gives her hundreds of dollars to buy a a guitar, which she probably will eventually give up on and move on to something else. I, I don't I think his actions say scream how much he loves her. He's, they scream that he's deeply in love with her and he supports her art and he he walks the dog that I very my head canon is that and I'm sorry I'm gonna ha- I'm getting very uh emotional about this because like I can't see how you cannot look at this man and see how much he loves his wife because it doesn't matter what people say to each other if they can't back it up with actions and like his actions are what matter and uh, my head canon is that 
this she got this dog somebody like she walked past a box full of puppies and they were like we couldn't sell this one because he's an ornery asshole and she's like oh look how cute he is and he looked at me and I looked at him and we connected and she brings this dog home and now they have a dog I don't think she asked him if he wanted a dog I think she brought Marvin home and now that fucking dog is just their dog and I don't think he likes that dog very much but he takes it for a walk every night because he loves his wife so yeah, much I mean it's just maybe it's the way Adam plays it but there's Pierce, like he just doesn't say what he's thinking. Like he has so many expressions mm-hmm. and so many little mi- micro reactions to things she says that to me feel. I don't think you're going to be a a great guitarist, or which is I, hilarious like, because she probably isn't. But it doesn't matter because he supports her right now and what she wants to do. I just like. I guess I'm just comparing it to my own relationship and my partner and I say like everything to each other Mm -hmm. and we also show in actions how we feel. And to me, there was a disconnect between the words he was saying and the words he was saying to her. Like he just, like if you look at the whole movie, like he doesn't say that much to her. And for me, not true. (laughs) They talk constantly. Also, I just like, I also, I want, I like, is this movie about a person who says everything he's feeling? Ha- have you ever known someone who doesn't know how to communicate their inner feelings? And so they use poetry as a way to communicate who they are inside or writing like that. or that's like so many people. People use art all the time to to speak to the truth of who they are. And maybe that's why he doesn't want to show, show share his poems with people because because that's too sensitive and too vulnerable. I think the only person that's ever read his poems is his wife. I think she's the only one who's ever read his poems. There was one scene where he was in the bar and someone was like, uh, does your wife want you to get a phone? And he's like, no, she she she, she understands me. And then like mm-hmm. a f- the next scene or a few scenes later, she's like, I think you should get a phone. Just come because, so, because, me, because, because the bus broke down and he couldn't call anybody and yes, he had to borrow no, a kid's I, phone. I get it. But what I'm saying is if you watch a movie and you see in one scene someone saying, why, why, why isn't your wife upset about this? Mm-hmm. Does, doesn't she want you to get a phone? He's like, my wife understands me. And then the next scene, it's like, oh, well, maybe she does. Da, 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 I think you read the, I'm the sorry. I, I hate to say this but you read this movie all wrong like a hundred percent i read it and you need to go back and watch it again you read this movie so wrong like people don't always say what they mean and people like when she says i think you should get a phone does she say hey asshole you should get a phone or is she like concerned about him because the bus broke down like you have to this movie is is you have to read between the lines man like it's it's it hurts me to 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 see how how much I don't of this appreciate you, you saying that thing. I read this wrong. I think that art is subjective, and we can read it how however we want. And to me, this is not a relationship I would want. This is not a life I would want. I I have a a a, a, a routine that sometimes is comforting, sometimes is is boring. I yeah. I don't have a problem with the routine. Um, I just have a problem with the way he is with her. 
Uh, okay. I mean, that's, and that's, uh, that's, uh, uh, okay. I mean, that's, that's your read on it. I just, I, I'm, I, I'm just really sad because I think this is a really beautiful and sweet movie. And Chris and I were like, wow, that couple makes us, uh, uh, makes us appreciate all the intimacy we have in our relationship and how, like, you know, when you really, really love somebody, you support them a hundred percent, even if the thing they want is stupid, like the guitar. Uh, and maybe it isn't. Maybe I mean she did actually learn a whole fucking song in one day, which was pretty impressive. Um, the way that he, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I just yeah, it's, it's so interesting because my partner and I felt the the opposite that we were like, wow, this shows us how good of a relationship ours is that we actually talk to each other about all all, all these things and tell each, each other how we feel and. Well, I I don't I don't see them in any kind of conflict about not knowing how the other person feels. Like that's the thing is like at no point does he do they seem to be not getting what they need from each other. Like she uh she asks him for the money for the guitar and he even though he's a skeptical a skeptical about it, he says yes. She is constantly telling him how beautiful his poetry is and that he should share it with others or if he's not going to that he should at least you know copy it and she's right he should have copied it um but also she really mourns with him when he loses it and no i yeah i don't i don't feel any anything about her that is i feel like she's very la 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 loving she's very supportive She's almost a little overbearing mm-hmm. at times in her support. Um, I know that's something I have to work on is like when my partner is mm-hmm. obsessed, upset about something, I tend to be very positive, like, mm-hmm. well, this is the good. And it's like mm-hmm. sometimes they don't want to hear, you know, the, and the good stuff. And She knew exactly. That's the thing is I think that they have been, I don't know how long they've been together, but for whatever reason, they really understand each other on a level that like when he is upset and she's like, do you want me to leave the house? Do you need some space? And He's like, no, I think I'll take a walk. And she doesn't take offense to that or anything. She's just like, yeah, sure. Like, I just, I don't know. I see a a, a, a loving couple and I don't, I think that a lot of movies are about couples that don't see eye to eye and that's fine. That's just totally a, a story that should be told. But I just found their relationship so fucking charming and beautiful and simple because not everybody needs to say everything. Like if you're if you know your partner loves you, like you guys don't have to say it. You don't have to constantly talk about it. I feel like if you're in a relationship where that has already been established, we're comfortable with each other. We know each other. There is no need to reassure each other. That's what I feel like. That's where I feel like they are with their relationship. They don't need to constantly reassure of their status with each other because it's unspoken. They already know. Mm -hmm. And I honestly think that Patterson is a character who for whatever reason, is used to keeping his feelings to himself. Uh, Maybe even like when the bus breaks down, he has a terrible day. His bus breaks down. He's very sweet with the kids. And he's very sweet with the kids. Like, I think he's a sweet person. I think he, he does love his wife. I think that he is a very thoughtful and smart and deep per, per, per person. I guess I just wish that he would have told his wife, like, I wrote this poem today and this is, this is the poem. I don't know. Like, I, I just like, well, let me I put guess it there was to a part of me that way. wanted it, you know. Let me put it to you this way. This is something my part, my husband said, which I didn't even realize is that 
again, I want this movie is about intimacy and personal moments. And my husband was like, you know, okay, so we've been dancing around it. Anybody who's seen the movie knows Marvin eats the book of poems. That's mm-hmm. like the big kind of event that happens towards mm-hmm. the end. I didn't see it coming when I watched this movie, but my part, but Chris did like, we're watching it. And he's like, oh, he left his book on the, he's like, he left his book on the couch. That dog's going to eat the book. Oh no. Like he saw it coming. Oh my gosh. And when he gets back in the book, like, Again, we haven't really even talked about Adam's performance, but Adam's micro expressions in this movie are are so just like a masterclass. And like mm-hmm. his quiet devastation as it because his wife figures out before he does that the book's been eaten. And yeah. his quiet devastation as it he like comprehends like what's happened to his poetry. Yeah, that was amazing. Was just like um, incredible. Was so he wasn't like you well, know, like I would have been like Chris, you know, but I was he like, just was like, I was like, Chris, there would be so much yelling. I'd be like, this motherfucking <laughs> dog. Uh, and he's just like, he just gets up and walks away and shuts the door. Because yeah. again, I think he's used to keeping that inside and the poems are his outlet, you know? Um, but I don't even know where I was going with that. Oh, I lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? It was something to do with the, the poems getting the poems, taken. The dog, the him, him with his wife has a... Uh, uh, they're it'll how they I don't know uh I'll come back to that uh oh what my husband said he was like this he's like this movie feels really personal and uh the Patterson shared his poems with us but even though his wife had read his other poems because she does reference multiple times his other poems that she's read or she says things like your poetry is beautiful or I really you know like I, I'd love to read your new poems or whatever um, the poems that are in the film, he only shares with us and then they get destroyed. Mm-hmm. So those, that, those poems are a thing that a personal connection that we share with him that no one else does. And I didn't really think about that until he said it. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like those poems lived only in that moment in time. And he shared them with us, the audience, and then, and no one else ever got to see them. You know? Yeah, to me that was sad. It was fucking sad. It is fucking sad. I'm not <laughs> just gonna thinking disagree. about someone destroying all of my poems. I'm just like I was devastated the first time I watched this movie when that happened. Um I wanna come to the end, but let's I wanna circle back to some other things first. Um I wanna talk about all the how the side characters in this movie are just spectacular like all the actors one of the things I think that makes this movie work for me is the acting because if you have a movie that's really just about relationships and 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 little interactions between people it the acting has to be incredible so first of all you have to have someone like Adam Driver who is I want to watch him I could have lived in this movie for like three or four more hours like I would have watched Patterson his life for the next like month you could have just given me every week for the next month and I would have watched the whole fucking thing and loved every second of it. But like some of them, I, I don't know if you had any favorite interactions, but some of my favorites are the guy who he talks to every morning before he goes on his bus route. Like it just cracked me up every day when he's the guy's like, Hey, how you doing Patterson? And he's like, uh, how are you doing? And he's like, Oh, you know, my cat has diabetes and, uh, my, I'm behind on my mortgage payments. And it's yeah. like, I just like every, every day, except for that one day where everything goes wrong. Yeah. Where he yeah. uh the he wakes up late and the bus breaks yeah. down. That was and also that inc- day- 
incredibly distressing for mm-hmm. me like that day the bus because breaking like down? well it was a disruption to his routine yeah a- everything that day mm-hmm. was was bad like cuz i'm so i lo- i like routine and mm-hmm. i have this routine and like mm-hmm. when something happens i'm mm-hmm. just like it throws me off and so mm-hmm. like the having the routine like late yeah. late laid out and then having the disruption was like Oh no! Like something's gonna happen. Someone's gonna die, or like something bad. This movie is surprisingly tense for a movie that's not really about anything. But I'm telling you, if you were to go back and watch it again, I think you'd be able to appreciate the nuances of of how we can live in the absence of that. Because yes, it's a bad day, but it's not life or death. And even again, like so, that's the day. uh, First of all, I love the little. Okay, here's another thing I want to talk about. Because as an artist, here's another reason why this movie personally affected me a lot. As an artist and a writer, I am constantly taking in the world around me and like digesting it and then, you know, like putting it to the page, as it were. And sometimes that involves me looking for patterns or connections in the universe that other people might say are coincidental. For me, that's the twins. Uh, one of the that's that that is, represents that beautifully for me that in the morning his wife and this is the first scene when they wake up together she says I had a dream last night that we had twins and by the way I love those interactions in the morning I just fucking love them it's like it reminds me of waking up with my partner in the morning and that moment of intimacy before the rest of the world like kind of invades your space uh, and we don't have it a lot during the week because I got to get up and go to work and all that shit but like on the weekend that's what it feels like to me when we're waking up kind of slowly. But she says, um, I had a dream that we had twins. And then he keeps seeing twins throughout the movie. I also noticed this time, I noticed times where I saw one of the twins in a a scene that came later, but no other twin. And then I began to ask myself, like, are the twins really there? Or is this just something he's kind of a pattern he's his brain is seeing in the world? Because as artists, we're constantly drawing pa- patterns and we're looking for patterns in life. And that's just something that spoke to me as a as an artist is that I my brain is always looking for patterns and meaning in things that are small because that's what I do as a writer or as, as a filmmaker is to try to add meaning to simple things in my life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's the twins. Um and then that day where everything kind of goes differently, that to me is another day where it's not just one thing that goes wrong. It's like one th- he wakes up late and then everything else in the rest of his day is completely changed. The guy doesn't want to talk about his problems that day. The bus breaks down. That's the day that um, the guy at the bar comes in and has the fight with his girlfriend and, and holds a gun to everyone. That happens Mm -hmm. that day, too. Mm -hmm. Also, can we just talk about Adam looking completely shell-shocked after he gets up from, like, jumping on this guy? And they're like, are you okay? And he looks like somebody threw a bucket of water over his head. Like, he just looks so shocked that he actually did that. I just, again, it's like these real, he, Patterson feels like a real person to me. He doesn't feel like a character. I feel like I'm watching, like, an actual person's life. And that's not... I think that's really difficult to achieve in a movie, especially with somebody who's like an actor that's very recognizable to me. I kind of put Adam aside when I'm watching this movie and I, and I just, yeah, it didn't Patterson seem, the character. Seem, seem, seem like him for, for sure. Like I definitely liked the character. 
seemed real. Um, I love the bartender that plays chess. The whole time I'm wanting to know who's the other person he's playing chess with. We never see who that person is. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, unless I miss something. I don't see who we only see him doing the one side. We yeah. never see the other person. Um, we the couple who's arguing and the guy, the heartbroken guy who's like, what is worth life isn't worth living without love, you know? Yeah. Um, that guy's obviously going through some stuff. Um the again the inter- and, and 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 an actor as well. I I love that joke. That was like, so funny. Actually, like, I am. I know, that was so funny. <laughs> Uh, the little girl uh, that he talks to, who's uh, a, po- a po- po- poet as well, mm-hmm. who reads him her poem, like, and then she ends up being a twin. I just like the mm-hmm. move. This movie is like the the structure is so beautiful to me. Like I let, I thought it was very slice of life for everything except mm-hmm. for the interaction with the little girl mm-hmm. and the interaction at the end with the man who gave them the notebook. I felt that the mm. little girl interaction mm-hmm. and the man who gives them the notebook were very like this is in a film. This would sure. never happen in real real, real life because it's um, the magical realism. I don't think that that this movie is. I say it's slice of life because it is. A, a, a look at this one person's life and it's not really plot heavy I think is what I mean by that but it's mm-hmm. not a slice of realistic life and William Carlos Williams poems also have this kind of magical realism to them so I, I, I think that there's a lot of comparison here between that poet and how that poet has inspired the world building of this filmmaker Jim Jarmusch um, because the little girl and her being a twin all of that is a serendipitous moment it's not something that probably wouldn't have, but it's also not outside the bounds of reality. It's not mm-hmm. sci-fi. Like he could yeah. meet a little girl who's a poet, but, I, and the reason I, I say that the movie's aware of that, Sarah, is because at dinner when they're talking about the little girl and he recites the poem, she goes, huh, that's interesting. It's almost like one of yours. Mm-hmm. Maybe it is. Did he meet the girl? Who knows? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. the guy at the end on the bench who we'll, we'll talk about, again, I think is another moment of magical realism. Uh, but the movie sets it up with the twins and these other little events to let you know that it's this mo- is a place where magical things can happen in real life. And I'm not talking about Harry Potter, wizard, Jedi magic. I'm talking about like ma- everyday magic, you know, situational magic. Um. I I want to talk I want to re- do you have anything else you wanted to talk about? I want to move towards talking about the notebook and what that means and the loss of the notebook. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. But do you have anything you wanted to say about some of these other side characters or some of the other Um I mean the- I I liked them. I thought they were all uh ple- ple- pleasant and mm-hmm. interesting. Um I mean again, I I I liked all the characters like mm-hmm. it was the first half was Mm-hmm. Very ple- pleasant. The last mm-hmm. half, I was a little bit a- 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 anxious and about I'm, what would happen. I'm sorry and- that I attacked you about your read of this movie. I think I just <sighs> wanted you to like it so much because this movie makes me feel so good and it makes me want to go out and create. And I think I just got really upset for a second that you that you didn't feel the same way. And that's not really fair of me. Um, and I can understand why that second half would f- make you feel bad. And maybe that because you just watched that since you watched it in half. Yeah, because we watched it last night, and then you watched the rest yeah. today. I can see how that's maybe where you left feeling. Um, yeah. So I'm sorry about that. I just know that it's because 
I left this movie feeling so good and like inspired. And I was like, wow, I can't wait to talk all about how inspired we are. And that's not how it went. Yeah. And I can't control everything. I'm sorry. It's okay. No, I mean, like <laughs> I, I do get inspired by like, I think part of it was like, there were lots of elements that reminded me of myself or reminded mm-hmm. me of like my partner, but then there mm-hmm. were things that were not like that. Mm-hmm. And like, there was something about the differences that just mm-hmm. kind of was a little disturbing and it had nothing to do with mm-hmm. this movie or anything mm-hmm. wrong with the characters mm-hmm. or it was just kind of like, huh? Like it's like similar, but not similar. And it's just like, I don't know. Like it was just strange. Cause like I, sometimes I feel like I'm the Pat Patterson character mm-hmm. with like aspire, 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 aspiring to be a, a, a writer, but having like a boring job and, or Actually, like my, that is a really great comparison because you've got like, like a regular my, person job and you're trying to squeeze in time to write and it's like sometimes really hard for you to carve out that time for yourself. So I yeah. can see how that could be tra- traumatizing to see someone create all this work that's meaningful to them and then to lose it, you know, to have yeah, a dog and then, chew it up. And also the the element of like my partner making lots of things mm-hmm. all the time. That's true. And like okay. being like, like, wow, like where are we going to put this stuff <laughs> like <laughs> okay I, I don't know think just of like, that I'm it's then, re- I'm really glad you're sharing that stuff because that's helping me to kind of contextualize your experience of the movie a bit yeah more. and then like also like I tend to be very reactive mm-hmm. and very mm-hmm. emotional and um not in a bad way just mm-hmm. in a, like a like she she is like she's mm-hmm. very sweet she's very caring mm-hmm. but sometimes for someone who is um less mm-hmm emotionally reactive that might Mm -hmm. be a little bit intense or something Mm -hmm. like I don't know I just saw bits of myself in the characters you were worried that maybe he didn't reciprocate those emotions yeah Yeah, I see that see it's funny I totally saw myself in Laura as well I feel like we're really getting to the heart of this movie now guys at you know uh (laughs) 57 minutes we're really getting to the heart of this thing um I saw myself in Laura like I see myself as the overbearing like uh gotta say everything that I'm thinking like you know uh I have too many hobbies I have too many artistic interests I my personality and my art takes over the house like I have film equipment everywhere I have fucking you know my husband is enduring these fucking pillows and our couch of like Adam and Andy I feel like I am I, I my art and my love of art explodes outwards and I also in a way sometimes feel like Laura where I am I'm a person a regular person making art and compelled to make art but I'm I don't know what I, I she doesn't seem to care if the world sees her as being an artist or not and I think that's actually admir- admirable admirable because I'm constantly concerned about like Am I an artist? Do people see me as an artist? At what point do does the world legitimize me as an artist? And neither of them seem to care about that. And I think that's really beautiful. Um, so I see myself as Laura with all these harebrained schemes. And I'm making pies that are disgusting. Only Chris, we joked about this. Chris would be like, this pie sucks. He would never, ever choke it down the way that Patterson does while he's drinking, like, guzzling water while he does it. Uh, and Chris is like my Patterson. Like, he is endlessly supportive he actually doesn't talk about his uh uh, feelings a lot like it's a struggle like I at this point I kind of know his feelings but he will go for weeks internally feeling 
ang- anxiety or upsetness about something, not about our relationship, but just about something in life. And then like a month later, he'll just tell me like, oh, yeah, I was like really depressed for like two weeks, but I didn't tell anybody about it. You know what I mean? Like he just yeah. like he just keeps it all inside. And um, and he doesn't have a, po- a book of poems where he can get it out. Uh, but if he did, I don't think he would ever show it to anyone. He maybe he'd show it to me. He'd show it to me maybe, but I don't think he would show it to anybody. So I think that's another way that I really see myself reflected in this relationship between the two of them where I've got big Laura energy and he's got big Patterson energy, you know? Also, he kind of has that clock in and do the same thing every day kind of job as well, even though he's not driving a bus, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like there's elements of both characters in both my partner and I, Mm -hmm. um, I feel like one thing we do well is sharing our feelings. Um, but also like Mm -hmm. the kind of, we're both are, are, are artists as Mm -hmm. well. Um, him not really seeing himself as an artist and Mm -hmm. me seeing myself as an artist, but Mm -hmm. not really feeling good about it, I guess. Mm -hmm. I don't know. So it's like, which is kind of Patterson's problem. And I think this is a great segue. Okay, so they go on a date. She gets a bunch of money selling cupcakes and I imagine blows it all on dinner and a movie. I just imagine she blows all $200 on that date, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they get home and Marvin has chewed his book to bits. And I don't mean chewed it up like a little bit. Like he has fucking shredded that book. Shredded. Little tiny pieces. Like it it's- is devastating. And I don't even know what happened until Laura says it out loud. I'm just well, like, I knew well, what is I that? It, I was like, oh no, his book is, is the dog ate his book. Like I was as slow as Laura. Like mm-hmm. I was just like, I was almost as slow as Patterson. I was like, mm-hmm. no, no. <laughs> like, and just the, the way that he is, pro- you can see him processing it. Like he gets up in the morning, he's sitting up in bed, and, but he never takes his anger out on her or the dog. Yeah. Never does he take it out, which, again, is something I love about Patterson. And I'm talking about him like he's a real person, because to me, he is a real person. The way he, you know, she's like, come back to bed. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll be back to bed in a minute. And he kisses her hand and and the she puts the dog in the garage because she's mad at the dog. And he lets the dog back into the house. He's yeah, like, he's oh, like, yeah, I while I was like out you. there. <laughs> he, that part was funny. But oh, but he also doesn't like she locked him out in the garage. And yeah. he's like, oh, well, when I was in there, I just let him back in. Yeah. And he doesn't even though he's mad at the dog, obviously, or feeling bad, mm-hmm. he never like takes any of his anger out on anyone. Yeah. Which is the exact opposite of how I deal with my anger. But um and then yeah. that interaction, so he runs into the and I'm sorry I don't remember anybody's names, but the guy he runs into on the street who, you know, basically ha- held everybody at fake gunpoint. Um and he's like Patterson is obvious is like devastated having probably the lowest feelings he's had in a long time and he's like are you okay man like he's checking in with this other person and the guy's like oh yeah i'll be okay and you know then he kind of realizes how sad patterson is and there's this moment where these two men and also to see two men caring about each other is not something we get to see in a movie a lot like mm-hmm. just this gentleness that they have for each other and whatever heartbreak they're experiencing in that moment is just mm-hmm. really beautiful to me. Um, yeah. I wish more moments in people's lives could be like that, where they get, where somebody, the whole town seems like 
everyone's so gentle with each other, you know? Obviously, there's people, like, the guy behind the bar, his wife comes in and yells at him and all that, and that kind of happens. But anyway, let's talk about the bench, the guy on the bench, which, by the way, Mm -hmm. I I actually put the subtitles on. I did have a little bit of trouble understanding him, so I actually went back and put the subtitles on. I don't know why I felt compelled to tell you that, but I was like, uh, I was like, I love the scene. I don't know what he's saying, so I had to go back and... Uh, But basically, this guy shows up, and he's from... Osaka, Japan, and he they're looking at the waterfall together. This is the moment that truly made me feel the saddest, Sarah, is like earlier in the film, Patterson meets this little girl who writes poetry, and she asks him if he writes poetry or if he likes poetry. I, I get the indication from him that he's saying that he also writes poetry, right? He did say something like that, right? Like, I write poetry too. Yeah. Or, so he yeah. says he's a poet to the little girl, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Then once the book is gone, he I think what he's wrestling with is that without this book, I'm not a poet. Yeah, because he's looking at all the books in his little man box, his man room that he's in, and there are all these be- all the man closet. Thank you, all these poetry books, all- William Collins Williams, all these poets, and he doesn't have anything. He has nothing to show for his art. Like it's gone, right? Not even his wife is there to. Rem- he can't remember it because she didn't read the last five poems or whatever. Um. So he's now in his mind, he's not a poet. I'm just a bus driver. Like when he says, are you a poet? And Patterson goes, no, I'm just a bus driver. Like that that is the moment that broke my heart. Yeah. And so then, and this is where the guy called his bullshit. He did. But Sarah, this is the thesis of the movie to me. He says, I, so the guy, uh, the, the touristy, not tourist, but the guy on the bench that he meets says, uh, I came here because I wanted to see the place that William Carlos Williams is from. And it's and around you, uh, ever, us, we all see it's like simple, but beautiful. Like the photography, by the way, in this movie is beautiful. Everyone's mm-hmm. lit beautifully. The setting is gorgeous, even though it's like super simple, industrial kind of town, you know. Um, and he's basically like naming off all these different artists who were who had simple jobs like this guy was a meteorologist and blah, 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 blah. And like, so what he's saying is just because you're a bus driver doesn't mean you're an art, you're not an artist. Like artists aren't some particular mythological creature in our minds. They're everyday people interpreting their world however they are and getting something satisfying out of making the art that they're making. Right. Yeah. And I, I swear to God, when he gives him the book and he says, sometimes, what did, I think I wrote it down, sometimes a empty page has the most possibilities. Like, I know it's, I know he lost all those other poems, but like he gets right to work on writing again. And I just think that's so beautiful. And I, you know how I feel about an empty notebook. It's literally my favorite thing. I have so many notebooks that I haven't even finished writing in them because I get, when I see a notebook, I see so many possibilities. Like this could be my greatest work could happen in this notebook. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you want to talk? What did I, I want to hear what you thought about that scene? Yeah. Well, like I said about the, the girl, you know, it, it, it definitely was not re re, mm-hmm. re realistic that a stranger would be able to tell that he was a poet and mm-hmm. have this notebook that he would be willing to get, mm-hmm. get, give away. And, mm-hmm. Um, it was very nice mm-hmm. and it really made a nice ending. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 I guess I did love how mm-hmm. it ended. Like the week star started mm-hmm. the same as the week before. Mm-hmm. And like, 
you get past things like you move on mm-hmm. things get better like you get a new yeah you get a fresh you get a page notebook. you get a fresh page sir you get a fresh page to me it's it doesn't the say the and for somebody who spends too much time and i'm talking about myself now for somebody who spends too much time saying does my work matter does do my do my films matter do, do what i write does it matter like if i stop doing this would anybody give a shit It's for somebody who agonizes about that far too often. The idea that it doesn't matter because creating the art is what makes you the artist. And learning to, or not learning, but appreciating the beauty in simple everyday things that are around us all the time. That's true art. And... Mm -hmm. It, and I know not every artist, that's not their medium is simple everyday things. I'm not saying that it has to be. But for, for, for this story, that to me is the most important thing that the movie is trying to say, which is that you can be a guy who drives a bus and you can never show anybody your poems and you are a poet. You are a poet. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. is what makes me, that is that, that, that feeling that I felt at the end of that movie is going to sustain me for at least another three weeks until I have another crisis about my own art. And you know what, what, what else, Mm -hmm. even if he had never written any of that down, he'd still be a poet. Exactly. That's the point. He's been thinking those things. That's the point. The fact that he expressed himself that way is what makes him an artist. And the fact that Laura paints shower curtains and, you know, rugs and cupcakes, she is, interpret taking something inside of herself and sharing it even if it's in a book that no one ever sees like you are translating your view your viewpoint your point of view of the universe into a physical thing and that's art and that's fucking awesome um yeah i don't know from for me the the definition of art yeah is definitely like just something you make Mm -hmm. like no matter what it is, mm-hmm. like if or some I- idea you have that's that's I guess it's like I guess you don't have to like necessarily like I said he'd still be a poet if he didn't write it down because he'd still be thinking the words. We're that, all artists, all of us. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, I really think that art is very broad. You can't mm-hmm. just say like you're not an artist because you don't paint or. Mm-hmm. You don't write screenplays or something mm-hmm. like, or even because you didn't win this contest, or your film didn't screen at this place, or because or you didn't get this grant, or you don't have great. It's like, not perfect precision or something. Exactly, none of it fucking matters because you can't ever take that away from somebody. The only so should. Hmm? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, please go ahead. I'm just ranting uh, about how much I love this movie at this point. Oh, I was saying, um, should we talk about her art at all or his poems? Like, yeah, absolutely. The what? actual, uh, uh, not quality of them, but the... What, how did they make you the, feel? I think is a good way to right, say yeah, it. Yeah, like, yeah. how did? Do you want to talk about her first or his poetry first? Um, let's talk about hers first. Mm-hmm. So I guess like she had a, this black, black and white aesthetic that what wasn't like scary or mm-hmm. sinister but it's because like it was whimsical whimsical because yeah. it was black, black, black and white though it wasn't as whimsical as it could, mm-hmm. could have been it was still like like the shapes were whimsical mm-hmm. but it was still like black and white so i guess like it made me feel um 
like I liked it, mm-hmm. but I also wish that there was more color. I felt like sure. she was a very colorful person mm-hmm. in her her personality. Mm-hmm. So I guess like I don't know. I'd want to talk to the Production art director mm-hmm. to be like, why did you choose it to be like this? Or maybe it was in the script. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, not not that it's bad, but I just want to know like what 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 they were thinking. Let me. Let me tell you why I think they made that choice. This is my interpretation and I could be wrong, Uh, but I feel like it's less about the aesthetic of her art and more about the way that it overtakes everything in their space. And I think that because the rest of their space was kind of soft and earthy and, you know, uh, and it did have color in their house. Uh, I Mm -hmm. think that the black and white is so stark and clear that it I think it I think those shapes and colors and designs are really clear and easy to spot in the background and so oh that's interesting because also I'm sorry to interrupt again but she as a person was very clear and direct mm-hmm. and said yes what she felt yes. and was very upfront and kind of black and white in a sense that you knew where she stood. You knew. You know what you're going to get. Yeah. She's yeah. not, there's no, like, she's not, she says exactly what she's feeling. Yeah. I think that, and that brings me to my point, which is that I think her art is less about the aesthetic of it and more about a, like a physical manifestation of her as a person, mm-hmm. uh, which art is in a way a manifestation of us as people. And so uh, again, it's that magical realism of like the art is Laura. This is Laura. And I think it was just, it's easy to see it as part of it. Um, mm-hmm. It stands out. And so yeah. does she. Um, what about uh, Patterson's poetry, which was written by a poet for the film? Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of like with the movie, it's like I was unsure at first. So I was unsure the first uh, uh, several lines. It's hard. But then it's when hard he- to like because you're it's almost like when somebody does stand up in a movie you're like okay is this going to be good you know what I mean like I think it's hard to get into it at first but I liked where it went to emotionally like I liked Mm -hmm. them even more Mm -hmm. than a reg like not a there is no such thing as a Mm -hmm. a regular poem but like I liked that it didn't start with the emotion yes it gets like that it kind of built to it Mm -hmm. like all this is like the foundation for where the emotion will rest like i liked that that it started out describing an object or describing mm-hmm. a very specific thing that is solid and real and then it goes into like the more uh me- 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 metaphorical or mm-hmm. internal ter- mm-hmm. like thoughts and emotions mm-hmm. i i think it's very much like a william carlos william poem without being a copy like it definitely has Mm -hmm. because that's what his poems are like they're usually they're descriptive they're like about a red wheelbarrow or something you know and uh and then there's like and then it hits you with some kind of line that encompasses the emotion of of what that's about Mm -hmm. um and i think that also leads me to say like what i really love about not just these poems but poetry in general i feel like what i love about poetry as a medium is that it can take like a what you would say in a whole novel or a screenplay and distills the emotion of all of that into a single line. And that's mm-hmm. what I think these poems did and, and, and something I really love about it. Um, there, it, one of my favorite, I don't know if you had a favorite, but I think my favorite was the one where he says, uh, you know, if you ever left me, I would 
tear my heart out and not put it back. Or what's the one where he says, how embarrassing? There's one where he ends yeah, with, it's that. is it yeah, that one? That one? That's my yeah. favorite one where he like admits, like, I I think about other girls sometimes, but you're it for me. You're the only woman I love. And that's embarrassing. And I, I just love that, that <laughs> admission that my yeah. feelings for you are so intense that they're embarrassing to me. Like that is so beautiful. I love it. That's my yeah. favorite poem of, of all of them. I don't know if you had a favorite, but. Um, I think I liked the first one a lot. About um, the matches. The matches. Yeah, that's yeah. a really beautiful one too. I love how yeah. we can see him working on them throughout the day yeah. where he like adds or changes or something happens to him and it inspires him to add something new. Yeah. Uh, it's so much also, about the process. Also, I like that it's his ha- handwriting. It's Adam's like oh, real hand- handwriting. It's so pretty. I love it. <laughs> it's way better than my handwriting. My handwriting sucks. Um, Cool. All right. Anything else to say about Patterson? Um, I did enjoy a lot of it. I was stressed at some of it. I was devastated when Mm -hmm. the notebook was ripped up and I was was very concerned about, I think I was anxious about him taking it out on her or the dog. Mm -hmm. I think that that upset me, even Mm -hmm. though he, he didn't. Never did. Yeah. But I was, it still created like this feeling in me of like, like, but that what I'm you telling know. you is I also felt a lot of tension watching this movie the first time. I would be interested to hear what if if anything changes for you if you were to watch the movie again. Because I felt like personally when I watched the movie the first time, I was like, oh, okay. That was enjoyable. Like that's how I felt watching it the first time. And I definitely had that feeling of like, oh, you know, there's beauty in everyday things. And I definitely got the thesis of it. But I gotta say, watching it the second time, like it really the movie really got its hooks on me on a deeper level the second time. And I think part of it was because I was able to let go of worrying about something intense happening. Yeah. Bad happening. I was, I was able to get past that and just kind of live in the moment, which I think this movie is a lot about just like living in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, I, when, before we go, I just want, or not go, but before we wrap up talking about this movie, I wanted to say um, one more thing, another quote that I pulled Again, this is after his poems get um, get ripped up. Uh, but he says what he says about his poems is that they're he says they're just words written on water, which is just like just like a gut punch. Uh, yeah. And the the how fleeting. Even if you write something down, it's there's something kind of fleeting about it, you know. Yeah. Um, that there, there's a lot of 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 water mm-hmm. symbolism with like the waterfalls and the waterfalls mm-hmm. poem and him mm-hmm. saying that and, and that the actual wa- 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 yeah. wa- 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 waterfall at the end mm-hmm. that is actually referenced in a William Carlos Will- Will- Williams poem where mm-hmm. he actually wrote a poem called Pat Patterson about mm-hmm. Pat, Pat, Pat Patterson yeah. so yeah. oh um Sarah, would you recommend this movie to a fan fan of Adam Driver's work? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's so good in it. He's really good in it. Like his like you were saying his micro expressions mm-hmm. just like Also, I had this thought while I was watching it where I was like, I, I don't know Adam. I'm never going to know Adam. I don't know what he's like in real life, but I had to wonder like is this closer to who he really is? And maybe this, you know, raging screaming you know um maniac that he sometimes plays is like an id like it's like a thing that he can tap into mm-hmm. but maybe like in reality he's maybe closer to this quieter internal 
artist person and that when he's acting in some of these roles where he's like letting that out maybe that's his outlet for letting out some of this i don't know it was just a thought that i had it was a thought that i had there's no way to prove or disprove it it was just a thought that i was having as i was watching it i was like i wonder if this is what he's more like is this person and not these. i mean he still seemed to be acting in terms of like oh yeah his expressions were Mm -hmm. very like definitely having to put some of that on Mm -hmm. but it was done very well i'm not Mm -hmm. saying that it was Mm -hmm. done poorly but I think Adam is such a good actor that like there's no way to know unless you're him. There's nothing he can't do. Uh, yeah, I would absolutely. Uh, I would. I would recommend this to a fan of Adam's work. I'd recommend this to a fan of art. I would recommend this to mm-hmm. a fan of poetry. Uh, I personally found it to be really uh, it, uh, something that uplifted me. That was just how I felt about it. Uh, it feel. I feel like this is a movie I could put on maybe if I'm feeling if I'm beating myself up too much about my art and my career path and where I am as my, in, in my career as an artist, I think I could put this movie on and like, it's like a like a warm hug. That's how it feels yeah. to me. Um, so I really love it a lot. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready for moments of thirst? Mm-hmm. Mm. Thirsty. Let's get to it. Uh, did you have any moments of thirst that you wanted to share? So, I mean, I just, thought his personality was thirsty the whole way through oh yeah like i have serious personality thirst the entire time for sure i mean just the sweetness and the the uh the gentleness and the um i mean i even liked that i there was part of me that liked his quietness i wish that he would have said a little bit more Mm -hmm. Um, just like been a little bit more direct, mm-hmm. but other than that, I thought he was very sweet. I thought his expressions were adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that, um, the scene where he eats the pie, God, I just love, yeah. I just love it so much the way he's like, hates it. He hates it so mm-hmm. much, but he's just like, and she's just eating this pie. Like yeah. it's so good. And he's just like choking it down because yeah. he doesn't want to tell her that he doesn't like it. Yeah. Bo- <laughs> bo- both of our partners would have been like, "Sorry, I I can't." I know. Chris was like, "Chris is like, if you if it were me, I would say, babe, tomorrow you'll make a great pie, but this is not it." <laughs> Which is the truth. He would be like, he's already have his phone out, and he'd be ordering Uber Eats um, before he even finishes the first bite. Um, so personality thirst. You had like a an overall broad overall sweeping thirst. Pers- I, there, there wasn't like a moment. Yeah. That stood out to me in particular as a thirsty mo- mo- moment, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, just in general, his char- char- character was. Uh, was it's really one. when you compare this guy again. Henry McHenry is also an artist, and when you compare these two guys, God, what a difference! What a ex- very different. What a wide difference. Uh, I had several moments. I had a lot of moments of thirst. Uh, certainly, I, I think that his personality is is. Uh, very sexy but uh some specifics there's something about the white t-shirt especially in that first scene that like the way i don't know what t-shirt i don't know where the costume department got this t-shirt but it's like it was perfectly meant to drape over his torso in the most appealing way possible (laughs) uh so the t-shirt um his hands there's a lot of hand close-ups in this movie where he's like writing with the pen where he's the watch he's looking at the watch he's got the matchboxes and i was just like wow he has 
gorgeous hands. Uh, so the hands. Um, the deep voice, the voice as he's reading the poems, the narration. Like I could just like, I want someone to just, I know there's like a, uh, somewhere out there, there's an audio book that he's narrated. And I feel like I could just put these in my ears and just like fall asleep listening to that gorgeous, hot voice. Uh, and then I saved the best for last. There was a moment that literally made me squirm. And I mean squirm. And that's one of the mornings when he wakes up his wife by nibbling on her ear. Like that ear nibble was like, I am still, I still haven't recovered. And I knew it was coming because I've seen people make gifts of it and share it on Twitter. But I don't know, something about seeing it in context with the rest of the movie like I have not, rec- I still, I'm still in a tizzy over that ear nibble. That's all I'm going to say. Um, and those are my moments of thirst. As you would imagine, I'm normally up for pretty much anything in the bedroom, but I can't tell if what happened was weird or sexy. Okay. Are we ready for some Adam or Andy trivia? I'm excited. Maybe. What is it going to be today? Well, it's going to be. IMDb trivia. Ooh, good old IMDb. Yep. Lay it on me. Um, so we already knew that Adam Hadley got, got a, mm-hmm. a bus let, let, let license, right? Yeah, but I actually listened you... to an interview with him talking about this bus license, but do go on. Oh, okay. Well, um, I didn't know this, but the production crew was mm-hmm. a, trying to arrange to get mm-hmm. him a license or get him to mm-hmm. test or get mm-hmm. him trained. And he, without telling anyone, figured it out himself and went to and got himself enrolled in a school mm-hmm. and was already taking classes by the time they were like, wait, what? what oh, happened? that's like, so sweet. So he like went ahead and, and got in school. Oh, my God. This big dork and <laughs> his dedication. I just I know. I love it so much. So also, um, I don't know if this is in your trivia, but I think that he basically got the license at the very last minute. Like they needed to shoot the next day and he he got that license at the last minute. It was the day before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the poems in the film Mm -hmm. were written by Ron Padgett, Mm -hmm. um, who actually um, wrote a few of the poems for the film, but Mm -hmm. also let him use some of his pre-existing poems. Oh, cool! And then Jim Jarmusch wrote the li- the li- the little girl's poem. Aww, mm-hmm. I thought that poem was really sweet. Yeah, I love that whole scene, um, little girl. I know, I I love it too. I he's think so good with kids, and like the way he that he's like with- a mother hen, just like herding yes, them off like, the bus. Let's, let's get off. He's the like, street. let's get over here, and the kids like staring off into space, and he's like gently. Yeah. Also, when they're like, "What's gonna happen to the bus?" and he's like, "Oh, a big." A big truck's going to come and tow it away. And the one kid's like, awesome. <laughs> yeah. So cute. Yeah. Um, and um, the conversation between the two construction workers on the bus was a real conversation. Jim Jarmusch overheard at a bar. Of That's course, hilarious. At a bar. We didn't talk about this, but my favorite part about that conversation is that the, both con- both of those construction workers are doing that thing where they talk about women in a very objectifying way, but both of them, neither of them are confident enough to take any action. Like the way that the guy's like, Oh yeah, we were making a lot of eye contact. And like, and then the other guy's like, what happened next? And he's like, she went home. (laughs) And like the other guy's like, Oh yeah. You know, Rhonda's friend with the blonde hair. She's so hot. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, she gave me her number. And he's like, you're going to call her. And he's like, 
I haven't called her yet, but I should. Like the way that they yeah. just like talk a big talk, but they're so vulnerable yeah. clearly that yeah. they don't, they can't, they don't actually can't do anything about it. I just, yeah. that was so, that was one of my favorite moments, I think. Yeah. I, th- I think that was, uh, that was very, um, it was like coming. It was like partially cringe, partially like oh, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. endearing or whatever. Yeah, and um, the look that woman gives them as she's leaving yeah, the bus. She's like that. The side eye was so good. Um, wow, that's cool. So that was a real conversation. That doesn't surprise yeah. me. I feel like Jim Jaramouche is strikes me as the kind of guy who's out there listening. Like Patterson is listening. That's kind of is he listening vibe. or did he press record on a tape recorder? I would have loved for that to be like verbatim or he's like, like he's that's... got his phone out and he just kind of slides it closer to them to get some better audio yeah that's hilarious yeah i mean it definitely it felt real but it also felt like it was like perfectly like like yeah like it was like there was part I of mean, it that felt written liberties yeah. with it yeah i'm sure because yeah. people usually don't have a like they ramble and stuff but. yeah well thank you for that trivia that was awesome uh that was really enjoy that was really fun thank you Oh, you look awesome. Come the fuck upstairs. Okay. But wait, I have to worry about something. What? If you come up here, I'm going to tie you to my bed and keep you for at least three days. I'm just in that kind of mood. Let's talk about what we're watching next week. Um, we uh, are. We don't need to spin the wheel because uh, we're watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So we're back to our, we're back on our Brooklyn Nine-Nine bullshit. We're back to uh, season one of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Uh, and so here's what we're watching next week. Uh, is it 15 and 16? Uh, we are watching, yes, episode 15 and 16. Uh, Operation Broken Feather. So here's a logline for that. Jake is hurt when Amy tells him she is considering leaving the precinct, while Terry helps Holt redesign the precinct to make everyone more productive. Hmm. So that's interesting. Uh, maybe some of Jake's feelings for Amy might come up for him in this episode. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, the party is the next one. Uh, the officers in the precinct head over to Holt's house to celebrate his birthday, but they wind up making a poor impression on his husband, which means we get Kevin. And I fucking love Kevin. So I'm pretty Kevin's excited. Great. Pretty excited about that. Maybe I bet we'll get Cheddar too. Oh, we're definitely Aww. gonna get Cheddar if we're getting Kevin. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're watching next week. So we're back to Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, Sweet. So, uh, Sarah, thank you for indulging me in discussing this yeah. film. Uh, I feel like we we had a little. We I feel like uh, we we came to some kind of understanding. Uh, yeah. At, at, at yeah. I'm sorry that I had like defensiveness about um, my experience of it because it had hit a little close to home. I get that. I guess. I get that. And I'm sorry that I got so emotional about defending this film. Like, I didn't make this film. <laughs> like, why am I so emotional? I don't know. I just, like, I think I just deeply connected. Maybe it's, like, I needed to hear. Maybe this is a film I just needed to see right now. Like, maybe yeah. it gave me something I really needed. And it's, like, you know, I just really reacted strongly to it anyway uh listeners uh sarah well actually before i give us give out our social media things uh sarah would you like to plug your social media 
So sorry, I had a yawn. Um, yes, I am on Instagram at Hedgehodges Bodpaws, which is H E D G E H O D G E S underscore B O D P O S. Yes. Um, I post pictures of my my makeup, my outfits, my past self mm-hmm. uh, when I was more insecure and uh, and your journey, thinner, but not happier. Yeah. Yes. So your body positivity journey. Mm-hmm. Love it. And every month I'm doing a special themed fo- photo shoot. So, you can know, we you get can look a back at January, February, sneak March. Peek, sneak peek of what next month's so photo shoot April is. is going to be like a partially inspired by April Fool's, partially Ooh. inspired by Easter. Oh. So it's going to be a lot. It's going to be crazy. Okay. I'm excited. Crazy, wacky. And you just did like an outdoor, like at like magic hour with flowers. Yeah, start, kind of a shoot. start of spring yeah nice yeah that was fun well listeners uh thank you for joining us to talk about patterson uh we would love to hear from you about your thoughts um and i don't know maybe your favorite moments or your favorite poem from this movie or just maybe your thoughts about patterson uh and or maybe or maybe your thirsty moments uh give us your patterson love uh tell us what you thought of this movie or maybe our discussion did we get anything wrong did we forget anything uh you can uh, find us on facebook and instagram at adam and andy podcast and you find, can find us on twitter at adam andy pod uh we love talking to people about adam and andy it's like one of my favorite things about doing the show besides talking to you sarah like watching these movies with you and talking I'm to sorry you that i'm so like i feel like it's good though to have like differing opinions about stuff that way like it speaks more for like different types of people who watch the movies or something thank you for challenging me i think it's good that we challenge each other Mm -hmm. uh so listeners uh next time you hear from us we will be talking about brooklyn 99 um and in the meantime i guess you know maybe this week see what if you can find a little beauty in the everyday things the little everyday things and think of yourself as an art artist because you are that's right Mm -hmm.